Welcome to Capital Stories. This is the podcast where we talk to real people about real issues and explore intersections of life and faith to encourage you in your personal walk with Jesus. Today on the podcast, we're going to talk to Ken Boney, who many of you know and love. He was in town recently to preach a sermon, and we said, hey, Ken, how about you talk to us on the podcast too? And he said, yes, he'd love to. Mm-hmm. We are so glad that he did. Yes. I had the opportunity to work with Ken on staff for Lots of years, and I'm one of those people that know and love him and love watching him work and do what he does best. He has been gifted with encouraging people and with helping people identify and grow and help them to be equipped in what their gifts are. And this is a fantastic episode. Whether you are hearing the word spiritual gift for the first time, like, what is that? Or you have heard it for a a long time, but want to just revisit what has God gifted me to be able to go out and do in this world. And I think that Ken does on this episode what I watched him with my own eyes do for all those years and just speak directly to us individually about how God has gifted us and encourage us to go and use it. Right. Yeah. So we hope this is an encouragement to you. Here is Ken on Capital Stories. Enjoy. I'm excited to talk to you, Ken. I'm excited to talk to you, Eric. I have to say, so before, I don't know if you knew this or not, but before I was on staff here at Capital, I worked at the university as a career coach, helping students kind of find their next adventure, right? And that kind of scary time of, you know, what am I going to do with my life and what kind of impact am I going to have on the world and just trying to understand who they were and how they might contribute to the world. And so when I reached out to you to say, what do you want to talk about on the podcast? And you said this topic of self-discovery, I was like, yes, I'm in. I'm glad that you suggested this to get us started. So you're clearly passionate about this, this topic, and you've been helping people learn about themselves and been teaching about this even for, for several years um, at your church and here when you were working here. You lead people through spiritual gifts assessments, personality tests, and strength finder inventories, and, and you've taught on this content for a long time. So I want to hear from you first, just what excites you about this topic in general and why you believe this subject is important for us. First of all, I did not realize that that was your background. So that's really cool to know that, uh, that you have been engaged in this sort of way before trying to help people find their way forward. I was trying to think, like, why is this so important to me? And actually, I, you know, I'm someone who became a Christ follower when I was about 30 years old, and now I'm 55, I'll confess, so about 25 years ago. And when, you know, early on in that journey, I started to hear that I had spiritual gifts and that God wanted to use me and that he'd not just saved me from something, but it saved me for something, that there was a purpose behind inviting Ken into the kingdom, right, into a relationship with him. And it was empowering, it was exciting, it was affirming, and quite candidly, as a new believer, I felt fairly insecure, you know, just my knowledge of God, my usefulness to him. And so to find out that I had gifts and that everybody has gifts is just exciting. I think it's, boy, if everybody had an idea of what their spiritual gifts were and really started to embrace those, what an impact it could make, both in their lives with their family, friends, workplaces, et cetera, but also just in their spiritual journey to know, gosh, God's gifted me this way, and he's given me something he wants me to use. And wired you in a way that's unique to you, that only you can contribute X, Y, and Z to the world around you. That's empowering. It is. It is. So that's that's probably the main thing yeah. behind it. Both, it, It's the side where, for me, it was exciting to learn that about myself, but to help other people in that journey discover that about themselves and to see yeah. those lights come on and the excitement that they start to develop as they start to dream about what they might be able to do for God yeah. is really cool. We'll get into some of the spiritual gifts and some of the, the practical things that people maybe can try out for themselves to, to understand this about themselves in a, in a minute. But I want you to talk about this class you teach. Just give us an understanding of, of what it is. And I, you, as we were kind of preparing for this, you sent me a copy of, of the syllabus. And I was really intrigued by even just the opening comments about like why this class exists and the, the stuff about people being ministers. So share with us about some of that content just to get us get us thinking about about what these things are useful for. 
You know, originally I taught this class about 10 years ago at at Capital, and we had called it the University of You at the time, and so have renamed the class Discover You, but same idea, same purpose. But here, here's, here's the purpose of the class. It comes from Ephesians 4, 11, and 12, where it says, so Christ gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. And so the Bible says that as pastors, as people that are in paid ministry, I guess, we're called to be equippers. We're called to help people discover these things about themselves. And that the people, the followers of Christ, are the ministers of Christ. Mm. They're, they're the ones that are to live this out. And so the purpose is really to help people see and understand that about themselves, to, to read those passages in the Bible that encourage them in that way. Let them know, like, God has really gifted me, created me in this yeah. way, and that he's, he's got a reason for the things I've gone through as well as the things he wants me to do and the gifts he's given me. Yeah, and your personality and your strengths all have a purpose. And that, that takes the pressure off of me a little bit, like working at a church, like, oh, <laughs> this is not my job to save the world. But, you know, it does kind of in- increase the stakes for for everyone, you know, we we are in our own evangelical context wherever we are, and everyone's called to ministry. That's a that's a new concept for some, I think. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the faith tribe I grew up in, we always felt like the priest was the one that needed to do all the ministry, and the only one that could do the ministry yeah. that was either qualified and or allowed to, and. As we look at the Bible, that's just not the way mm. it is. It's like God called these guys and gals to right. himself. He no said, qualifications. Yeah. Right. Yeah, they yeah. didn't have any degrees <laughs> or anything. And he says, I want you to serve me, and I want you to be my church and go share my message. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, if we can—if people can—followers uh, of Jesus— can discover that, uh, maybe even more so than discover, but understand, like, well, we'll get into some of the Bible verses, but that God calls us a royal priesthood, that he's created and gifted us to do works which he's prepared in advance for us to do, and mm. that uh, we're ministers. And you think about the power of that, right? It's yeah. it's, it's one thing. So I, I, I was thinking about capital. You might have five or six or seven pastors. I don't know what the number is. But at our church, there's a guy who co-teaches me this, and when he's asked how many pastors at your, are at your church, <laughs> he'll say, well, we have about 500 ministers. And what he means by that is yeah. every follower of Christ is a minister of Christ. Yeah. And you think about, boy, if you have five, six, seven hundred people living this out, or even 50 people living yeah. this out, just the multiplying impact that that can make. Right. Well, and, and the it, point about it is if, if you yourself, if one person is living this out, that's a greater impact than, than not. So that's the scale of that's exciting. So tell me more about, about this ministry thing. Talk about this part of the class where you define, you know, what ministry actually is, you know, what it means, and, and then how that becomes a stewardship issue when we're, when we're not ministering in our strengths and abilities. I think I'll start with the word diakonos. It's a Greek word, and it's where we get our word deacon from, and it actually means servant. And so as you look at deacons, the idea is that they would be servants of the church and servants of the people of the church. And to serve is ministry. So ministry is using whatever God's given me to serve him and the needs of of others. And I like to say that it's it's help. So ministry to me is well, I shouldn't say to me. I believe that ministry is is loving and serving people wherever you live, work and play. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's living for God as a school teacher. It's living for God as I parent my kids or as I love my aging parents or as mm-hmm. I as I do life with my wife, as we forgive each other, as we serve each other. And so ministry is really using whatever God's given me to help others in his name and for his purposes. And you know, we'll generally minister in three different directions. We'll, we'll, mm. we'll minister to the Lord 
You know, that's through our worship. That's through our honoring of him. We minister to other believers. That's probably where we find it happening more, most often, yeah. right? Because those might be the people that we just are closest to, and we know their stories, and right. we can care for one another. We know when people are having hard times. But then we also minister, we like to say at our church, on the road, you'll talk about investing here yeah. at Capital, investing our, our time and our talents sacrificially. But sometimes we... we have too narrow of a definition. We think that's only within the church. We think mm. maybe that's only serving in kids' ministry sure. or only being on the worship team or only serving coffee. But boy, is that a, an incredibly limited way to think yeah. of this. Like God said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And then he said, love your, love your neighbor as yourself. And so it's like he wants us to take this everywhere we go, yeah. every day, every day. Minute. Sometimes our literal neighbors are the, the last to even experience our, our, our ministry. But you're right. It's, it's every single person in every single place. There's, I was reading through this, you know, there's the priority of, of ministry and this, this notion that we've all been called. G- talk through some of the Bible, the biblical kind of principles behind these, these points here of, you know, being created for ministry, being called to ministry, and, and then being, you know, gifted for ministry. You know, in the class, we share 10 ways that we have been encouraged or instructed by God to minister. And I believe, as I, if I recall right, these might have actually come out of the Purpose Driven Life book years mm. and years ago. And the first one is that I've been created for ministry, and that goes back to that Ephesians 2.10, which I've mentioned maybe once already, for we are God's workmanship. Some translations say his work of art or his masterpiece. I believe the Greek word is poema, which is where we get our word poem, that mm. we're God's poem. His, his mm. masterpiece, his work of art, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he's prepared in advance for us to do. So we've been created for ministry. We've been saved for ministry. I asked the question earlier, what, if, what were you saved from? Quite frequently, that's where we end the story, right? We yeah. think about, well, I've been saved from hell, or I've been saved from my sin, or I've been saved from a destructive life, you know, the, yeah. the list could kind of go on and on. More so, what have I been saved for? Yeah. Like when God does that in our lives, he's got a purpose that's more than just saving us from something. Right. He's got a people that he wants us to minister to, and he wants us to live this thing out with, within our sphere of influence, yeah. with our friends, with our, our neighbors, our teammates, yeah. whomever that might be. Because otherwise, what would be the point? You know, of course, salvation for us, but that feels so short-sighted and so limiting. Um, that's, that's cool. And the third one is I've been called into ministry. Read a couple Bible passages here. Ephesians 4, 1 says, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you've received. But then when you get to 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10, it says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. And then it goes on to say, once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And then in verse 5, so a little bit before that, he said, you also, like, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And so like we've been called to this yeah. thing. We've been, as followers of Christ, we've been empowered. He says, I want you to go out and be Christ to a dying world, or be Christ to your family, to your friends, to, to your enemies, to your yeah. siblings. <laughs> right, the hardest <laughs> people that it's to be ministers to. That's Ex- Yeah. Exactly. And, and something we like to say along with that, and I think this is, is about our, where we find our identity, is mm. I'm not who I think I am. I'm not who you think I am, but I really am who God says I am. Yeah. And that's a life-changing truth. You know, if, if we believe that, if we truly start to believe that deep down in our hearts, minds, and souls, it just changes the trajectory of our lives. It changes how we live, finding our primary identity as a minister of Christ. Yeah. So there, you said there's 10. Yeah. We're, we're so, at three. So there's so more principles here. I'll try and get, <laughs> cut to the chase then. Yeah. <laughs> so the fourth one is I've been gifted for ministry. So there's several places in the Bible that talks about every follower of Christ has been given a spiritual gift. 
First uh, Peter four ten. Each one of you should use whatever gift you've received. Another important point, number five, would be I've been authorized for ministry. And that comes back to the Great Commission, right, where Jesus yeah. is is seated on that hillside after he has resurrected, and there's 11 of his 12 disciples remaining, as, as well as a, a few other gathered people. And he says, go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing people in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And it's as if he's... And he says... He's giving us his authority, and he says he'll be yeah. with us. He'll never leave us or forsake us. He'll be with us to the very end of the age. And so we've all been authorized. He even refers to us, or Paul does, as Christ's ambassadors. Mm. Yeah. We're representatives. You know, that's that's a new notion for some some people who maybe grew up with this idea that, you know, you have to be qualified for—and for, not to diminish— <laughs> the qualifications of, of you know ministers and and being able to to learn and grow and study and and understand you know your theology to to greater degrees, but everybody, every single one of us, is authorized to be a minister. That's a new concept for some, I think. Yeah, I think so as well. I know I grew up not really understanding that, and that was life changing when I did. It was encouraging, but boy, you know, when you look out amongst your church and you think. Boy, that's true of every follower in here. How mm-hmm. how fun does that start to get if you yeah. you know if people start to recognize that in themselves? So yeah. number six would be I've, I'm commanded to ministry. I love the passage of Matthew twenty twenty eight where Jesus says, "For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many." And just before that, he says, "You know, the least are going to be." first, and the first are going to be last, and and you've been called to serve. And so he commands us to serve. I've been to be equipped for ministry. That goes back to that Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, where it says that some are given to be apostles and Mm -hmm. pastors and evangelists and shepherds and teachers to equip God's people for works of service. And so if you find, if you start to explore this stuff and study this stuff, you know, part of it is I feel this burden, right, as a church, like yeah. how do we help people right. discover this and how do we teach this and encourage it in their lives? But quite candidly, like you can go on this journey by yourself. Like sure. you can start to discover these things on your own and in essence have either books or other teachings equip you. So don't feel like you're stymied by the church yeah. in any way either if you're... Right, yeah. I mean, most people who listen to this probably won't be able to take your class because... You live in Minnesota, but... <laughs> I, I want them to know they're welcome, though. Okay, if they happen to, to have five weeks where yeah. they're going to be in Moorhead, Minnesota... <laughs> but know. the point of that is, you know, we can start without the textbook, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And I, yeah, I don't want to lose sight of that either, yeah. because sometimes, you know, we, we get stuck where we think, well, I'm just not equipped for this, and I need somebody else to equip me. And you, you don't necessarily have to wait. There are ways. There's and we'll share towards there. the end of the podcast some resources, so... Yeah, for sure. You know, the eighth one is the body of Christ needs my ministry. We'll talk a little bit about 1 Corinthians chapter 12, but that talks about like where every part of the body is important. Like as followers of Jesus, we are all part of one body and that every part suffers when one suffers. And anybody who has gifts, which would be every follower and isn't bringing them to the body of Christ, like the the body of Christ, the church ends up being less than it could be. And so it's really cool when you think like, boy, we want to be a a church family where everybody knows their gifts and and we want to find places for them to serve and be part of what's either going on within these walls or external of these walls in the larger Salt Lake community. Yeah. It can feel, you know, I've thought about this passage before where it's like, I often hear the analogy of like, even the pinky toenail is <laughs> it's important and to think about that. But, you know, it can feel, you can feel small, you know, like in this big body, in this big world that's, you know, even bigger than the, the body of Christ, like the, the body of believers, it can feel like, okay, I'm just one small cog in this big thing. What kind of impact can I make? But then, you know, when you realize the truth of it, the, even the smallest cog matters to to the other cogs around that small cog, right? You know, every single one of us has has a just as critical part 
For some reason, the image of a Rolex watch came in my mind, and it's like there's probably some tiny little thing in there yeah. that we couldn't hardly see. <laughs> and if it wasn't working, the thousand or two thousand right. dollar Rolex watch is worthless. That's that's right. You know, so yeah, it matters. It does. It does. Another passage or another priority is I am accountable for my ministry. You know, we'll talk about the parable of the Ten Talents, where the the master was going to leave, and he says to one of his servants, here's five talents, you know, go invest this, go do something with it, and then he gives another two and another one, and two of the guys do a great job, and they double, you know, their talents, and they invest it, and they work hard, and one of them buries it. And the one who buries it, the the master comes back and he's ticked off and he says, you wicked servant. And and he takes that away and gives it to somebody else. Mm -hmm. And so at some level, like God's given us all gifts and and he's given us them not to be kept in a closet. He wants us to use those and he wants us to uh, share what we have, you know, and what God is or Christ is doing through us or the Spirit is doing through us. So the 10th one is I will be rewarded for my ministry. Colossians three twenty three and 24, which I recall hearing a lot here at Capitol when I was here six or seven years ago, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not mm. for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the mm. Lord Jesus Christ you're serving. Yeah. You know, far too often we, we look at our earthly rewards, right? It's like, well, did I get a pat on the back or an attaboy? Or did I get paid for that? And yeah. those things are important and they, they mean something. But it's also super important to know, like, there's rewards in heaven. Yeah. There's rewards from God for living this stuff out. Yeah. You with know. different metrics than what the world will get, you know, it, the world won't necessarily reward in the same way. Right, yeah. right. You know, I, mean, I think about the prophet Jeremiah who preached for 40 years and tried to get the people to repent, and all he did was bang his head against the wall. <laughs> he had no earthly reward, mm. you know, but I am sure that God yeah. just welcomed him into... Yeah, that's a good, that's a good perspective. When if you're stuck in a rut and feeling like why am I doing this and no one cares and I mean, it's not necessarily true. There's there's someone that cares. <laughs> yeah, and and I guess to that point, you know, sometimes we find ourselves in jobs or in seasons of life that we just don't like, and we're like, why God? Mm. And I think it's so important to know that He is still up to something, and He's got you there for a reason. You may not realize it in the moment, but you can still be a light in a dark place, even when the place is kind of stinky at the time. Good point. Yeah. So how? You know, I think this leads us into this this question of how. So we know that all this is important, and we're we're called to ministry in whatever context we're in. And I don't think we'll be able to get into every single component of, of knowing yourself and kind of all the tools that are out there to understand, you know, there's there's all kinds of assessments and all kinds of, of just resources to start getting to know how you're wired and how God has created you. But I think, you know, I would love to dive into one of them. So if we can spend some time just talking about spiritual gifts specifically, I'd, I'd love to do that for, for a moment. You know, so first, I guess, could you just explain what spiritual gifts are and what you think we as disciples of Jesus should should know about them and understand about them. Yeah, I think I'll just try to phrase this in my own words. It's I feel like spiritual gifts, like when we become Christ followers, the Holy Spirit takes up residence in our lives. And then he gives us spiritual gifts. And what I mean by that is there are ways that he works supernaturally through us Like it's the Spirit of God or the power of God working in and through us in ways that we'd be unable to just on our own, in our own Mm -hmm. skill, our own power. And even more so, though, sometimes like we, for instance, we might say something to somebody where it's like, I don't have any clue where that came from. (laughs) Yeah. But they needed to hear that in that moment. And I feel like that's God working in and through somebody. And so it's something where you recognize also that it's like, wow, this is making an impact in somebody's life. Like this is drawing them closer to Jesus. This is helping Mm. them see God in a new light. But 
we frequently maybe minimize that to, well, I've got to have the gift of teaching or something. Mm. And, you know, we've got a long list of spiritual gifts. They, they, they can be found in Romans chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. There's some as well listed, I believe, in Ephesians chapter 4. But there's a number of places that you read about these spiritual gifts, and some of them include things like administration, craftsmanship. There's teaching and leadership, but there's things like mercy and helps and Mm. prophecy and all these intercession, simply just like the gift of praying for someone else and seeing God actually do something with those prayers. And so it's pretty broad as far as the types of things they can be. But I, I guess it comes back to, like, I feel like it's that place where it's like, God is working in and through me in this moment, and it's just in a way maybe I wouldn't understand, just in, a, yeah. in and of my own talent and knowledge. Yeah, that's like, a good description and kind of definition. Just to help us understand them more, like, do you do you know what yours yours are personally, and could you even explain those? Yeah, absolutely. So my top gifts tend to be, I, I say tend to be because I've had four that have kind of risen to the top, mm. and they they mix a little bit, meaning they'll shift spots as to which might be my leading gift. And I suppose it's it's situational as well, right? Yeah. But uh, my number one gift is generally hospitality. I just love welcoming people into our home. Mm-hmm. I love welcoming people into our church family. I, you know, if somebody shows up anywhere random, like I want to make them feel comfortable when they get to the <laughs> table, right? I just see yeah. this bleeding out of me. I want to offer somebody a cup of water. As simple things, get yeah. them a seat, you know, take their coat. Yeah. And so I just see that playing out. Uh, my other gifts would be leadership, teaching, and encouragement. And, and it's interesting because I think I would have pushed back for lots of years on leadership. But I think the reason is, if you don't mind me going into yeah, this no, right please. now, is I frequently might compare myself to leaders that are just like world-class leaders. Mm. And because we have a spiritual gift... And maybe it's leadership, and I am called and gifted to lead in certain circumstances and do certain things really well. It doesn't mean I'm going to lead everything well every yeah, time. Sure. And I'm not going to maybe, I'm trying to think of a good leader who hasn't fallen recently, but sure. you know, I'm not going to lead like this superstar. We frequently feel like, well, I'm never going to be as good as that person, therefore... Yeah. And so that's an important thing to know about our gifts too. Like it's you don't want to compare them to other yeah, people. Yeah, that's certainly not of God. The the kind of comparison and it, it, when it leads to something unhealthy like shame or or embarrassment or or like I don't disqualifying yourself for ministry. That's certainly not the point of these. But yeah. yeah. You know, I mentioned teaching as well, and it's interesting. I think teaching shows up in all sorts of different ways. Like some people are called to teach big crowds. Some people are called to teach one-on-one. Some are called to teach little kids. Yeah. Some are called to teach adults. And so it varies. And and lots of times we feel like, well, if I've got the gift of teaching, I need to be the one on stage, you know, and that's mm. not necessarily the case. Yeah. Actually, I, I have the gift of teaching in certain settings. I find that I'm a terrible teacher with my kids. They have yet to learn how to do the dishes. I, no, they know how to do the dishes. I think they just choose not to. But, you know, the, it, it's things like it, it's interesting. Like I, I grew up skiing, and I've never been great at teaching my kids to ski. So mm. there, it's it's weird. Like it'll play out in different, in different ways. contexts. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I So how useful have you found these to be in like a real life kind of sense? You know, I, in my old work, when I would help students kind of find their path, you know, a lot of these tools are, are just that they're tools, right? But I found them not to be like a hard and fast, here is your answer. Now go, go forth and do this. So I'm curious if you can just kind of, I don't know, articulate some stories about people understanding this and and having a good, a good outcome from understanding this about themselves and how they've then taken that into the world and, and made the world a better place. Or, you know, yeah, the utility of this in some real life examples would be helpful. Like I have this data from this assessment that I've just taken about my spiritual gifts. Now what do I do with it? And how can I see that to success? Yeah, it's a few thoughts come to mind. One is if I start to discover well, for instance, well, I'll, I'll share somebody who's on your staff. And maybe that's not the best idea, but a Tara Ross. Mm. She has this incredible gift of mercy. And 
I will see Tara in the hallway and she'll say, how are you doing? I'll say, fine. And she'll look me in the eyes and say, how are you really doing? Hmm. And it's like, she just (laughs) knows, right? And there are people with the gift of mercy, like they show up in a hospital room and they bring comfort. I show up in the hospital room and I bring bumblingness or something, (laughs) right? So it's, but you Mm. know, that's a place where you'd see that play out. I think once you identify your gifts, you know, it's it's not like there's a perfect roadmap that goes with sure. this. It's like, oh, okay, there's the no- true north, and I've got it exactly. I think these things start to shape how we think about ourselves. Yeah. Like, okay, for instance, for me, if I'm strong at hospitality, teaching, and leadership, like, how does that all come together? You know, how does that play itself out? But then the flip side of that would be, when I realize I don't have these other gifts, I think it's just important the things you don't have, right? Yeah. The things, the strengths and and spiritual gifts you don't have and recognizing, yeah. boy, I really feel like I suck at that. <laughs> or I understand it, at capital, you say suck at. I sucketh at that. <laughs> I sucketh at that. But when you find out that you're not good at something and that those aren't your strengths, it, sometimes we tend to beat ourselves up for not being mm. good at something that somebody else sure. is good at. But then you, there's grace in that, right? Yeah. I start to learn, oh, well, God didn't gift me for that. He hasn't wired me to be able to do that the way somebody else yeah. might be able to. So I think it, it both helps you kind of figure out what your direction in life is, as well as helps you know, these are maybe some places I shouldn't go where I'm not yeah. going to be as helpful, yeah. where I'm not going to be as strong at. Frees you up from the notion that you have to be all things to all people, you know, and no, God wired you to be this, this specific thing. And it's, you know... It's kind of freeing to know that you can kind of stay in your lane a little bit and and have a greater impact than try to fumble through on, <laughs> on things that just aren't aren't natural for you. Yeah, you know, you asked the question uh, of some examples of people. There's there's a, a gal by the name of Mary that's part of our church back in in Minnesota, and she's a professor of math, mm-hmm. and she discovered that she had the gift of evangelism. And it was already fairly evident to anybody that hung out with her. But recognizing that in herself uh, encouraged her to another level to say, well, how can I more so share my faith with others? How can I expose others to the love and truth of Jesus? Mm. And it's just kind of lit something in her. And so she's looking for different ways, whether it's through a small group or through interactions with her students, that she can just bring Jesus to that. And it was yeah. by discovering that that she really felt encouraged yeah. that way. Almost felt a new a new calling, not to leave her job necessarily. Not but at just, all. Yeah. Right. To, to, to bring that into her right. job in, in ways that would be appropriate in that setting. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Interesting. That's, that is helpful. You know, and, you know, speaking of our, like our work, you know, I, I don't want to overgeneralize this sort of this topic and, and kind of slap it on as advice, you know, for someone who's in a different situation. But I'm, I'm thinking about people who might be in a situation where they're maybe feeling stuck like in their job, they're feeling like they don't make a difference. They're feeling like, I don't know, just like, what am I doing all this for? And how something like this can provide some new inspiration. I don't know if you've had examples of that or can relate to that or what you think of that, but I, I'm just thinking about that particular group who might be encouraged by this topic and what we might be able to share with them. Yeah, e- even as you say that, I think of college students that are about to go out and look for their career. You know, what would I really be excited about? What would yeah. I be good at? And I, I even think about retirees, right? Mm. Somebody who's at the end of their work career, and it's like, what's this next season of life going to look like, as well as the person who feels stuck? I do think when you do some of these self-assessments, you know, inside our our class, we'll do spiritual gifts assessments. We'll also do strength finders. Mm. And I think with both of those, they start to give you some idea of what could be, what some of the possibilities are. And you might quickly discover that, wow, I'm in a field where I'm really never going to be able to live this out. And perhaps I do need to look for a different field. Or you might be, gosh, I just haven't been looking at this thing the right way. Maybe there are real possibilities within the job that I'm currently doing or the family situation or the friendships that I have. And all of a sudden I find out that I have the gift of shepherding, for instance. You know what? How could I use that in my workplace? Yeah. You know, could I perhaps 
be a little bit more intentional about caring for some of the people that are broken. Yeah. Maybe somebody just lost a loved one. Right. Maybe somebody's going through a divorce. You know, uh, who knows yeah. what the case might be? Or maybe somebody's just struggling to make their sales goal. Sure. And it's like, you yeah. know, like the realization that, you know, for whatever reason, you know, God has you where he has you, even though it feels like, why God I'm here right now? Cause I don't like this to have this new, you know, realization of the impact that you could be having in that in that exact spot where you are can, can come about because of knowing some of these, these, these things about yourself when it comes to your gifts and, and how to use them well. That, that's encouraging to me. That kind of leads me to this, this idea of these, you know, the, the myths and the truths behind gifts. You know, I understand your, your class kind of talks about that. I'm curious if you can share some of those with us. Yeah, I'd love to. You know, we talk about 10 truths surrounding spiritual gifts. One of them is that only believers have spiritual gifts, right? This is the Holy Spirit taking up residence mm -hmm. in our life mm -hmm. and doing supernaturally through us or the power of God living through us, right? We are, mm. we are God's, Jesus's hands and feet yeah. here on earth as we become followers of his. And so, you know, well, I'll get to the, the flip side of that when we get to the myths. You know, every Christian has at least one spiritual gift, and we all so have know something. that. We all have something, right? We all have something to bring to the yeah. table. Absolutely. No one receives all the gifts. And I think that's really important, too. We'll look at some people and we'll say, man, she's a 10-talent gal. Yeah. You know, she's just been given a lot of things that she's really good at. And that is true of some people. But if somebody had all the gifts, they wouldn't need anybody yeah. else. And like we need each other. That's right. part of how God's wired us. And right. so another one, the fourth would be no single gift is given to everyone, meaning that, you know, not everyone has the evangelism gift. And what that might mean is maybe you shouldn't put all this pressure on your brother or sister to share their faith all the time because <laughs> they haven't been gifted. Yeah. You know, oh, I feel like such a donut or yeah, whatever because sure. I haven't shared my faith. You know, or or I haven't, uh, you know, somebody has the gift of of prayer, they're passionate about prayer, and they expect everybody else to have the same passion about prayer. Yeah. Or, or they they have an incredible compassion for the homeless, you know, yeah. and they they feel like everyone else should. And I mean, sometimes that's a bummer to you, but truth is, like God's wired us all up to yeah. to impact different people. Like that's not the only whatever group of yeah. people. That's not the only group of people that needs God's love, and that's not the only way that God needs to be glorified or that people need to be instructed about Him. Sure. And so I think it's super important to spread the wealth. Number five is you can't earn or work for a spiritual mm. gift. I mean, it's the Spirit that determines who gets them. Yeah, yeah. That's that's a little liberating as well. I'm a, a fan. This is you know thinking about the Strengths Finder, the theory behind that, and you know you're not intended to even know your bottom strengths in that sort of assessment. You're, here's your top five, focus on those, but don't even worry about these, these ones over here because you, you're not going to work at it and get, you know, to a, to a level where you are with your, your top ones. So it's kind of freeing to know that, you know, this was not my gifting and that's okay. We'll leave it to someone else. And I'm going to, you know, focus on what God has gifted me with. Yeah. One of the analogies I recall from a, a strength finders talk was he had said, and I think this was Marcus Buckingham years ago. He had said that, you know, you can be a four or a five at something and work really hard and someday be a six or a seven. <laughs> yeah. He said, or you could be an eight at something and some work really hard and someday be a nine or a 10. And, and, you know, if you're spending 80% of your time really focus on those things that you're good at and yeah. working on that, you know, the, the impact that that could make and the ripple effects that it could have would just be amazing. And the fruit then too, right? Yeah. You know, you right. feel good about, Hey, I'm actually I'm really maximized on that. Yeah. yeah. I'm making a difference. Yeah. Number six is the Holy Spirit decides what gifts I get. Number seven is the gifts I, I'm given are permanent. And so whatever gifts God gives you, you'll have them for all time. Doesn't mean those are the only ones you'll ever have. And I think sometimes we get more over the case or course of the years. Mm -hmm. Number eight, I am to develop the gifts God gives me. I think this is important. You know, one part of it's knowing it, right? To right. know that I've got maybe, maybe the gift of craftsmanship that could be something well god doesn't want us to just sit on that gift and go well i've got that gift so i'll just use it when the chance comes yeah. like he wants us to develop those gifts if you've got the gift of teaching or leading or administration or mercy or prophecy or or whatever grow in those yeah. things study those gifts understand what they are 
and allow God to continue to kind of manifest those ideas of like how that can be used. Yeah. I think as you pray about those things too, it's like more and more things come to light about how those types of gifts, whatever gifts you have, right. might to sin, to waste the gifts that God gave me. Mm. You know, that kind of goes back to that 10 talents thing, the yeah. one servant who buried his gift and the master comes back or his talent and the master comes back and says, you lazy and wicked servant. Yeah. And so God wants us, calls us, not only does he encourage us and equips us, but calls us. He says, I've given you these gifts for a purpose and I want you to use them. Yeah. Wherever it is that you live, work or play. Mm. Number 10 is using my gifts, glorify God and grows me. And so those are, those are 10 truths about spiritual gifts. And you asked as well about myths about spiritual gifts, I think. So cautions about spiritual gifts or myths about spiritual gifts. One, don't confuse gifts with natural talents. Mm. And I think why that's important, like sometimes we'll see somebody and they'll be a really good speaker, really good communicator. Well, are they good at exciting a crowd or getting people to do something or, or moving the ball down the field or getting people to change? Or are they good at like showing the love of Jesus? Are they good at teaching people what it's like to walk in his ways or to look at things from his perspective? Sure. And so sometimes we can mistakenly think just because somebody is really good at something that that's a spiritual gift. Yeah. But you kind of have to discern, like, is the spirit moving in that? And is, is God yeah. somehow being glorified through that? Gift? That's a helpful distinction for me, because when you shared the first truth about only only believers having spiritual gifts, you know, you can very quickly name hundreds of people that are talented at something and you could argue, well, God has clearly gifted them with X, Y, or Z talent. But the component of pointing people to Jesus, the, the spirit working through us is, is the key there. The second one would be don't confuse gifts with fruits of the spirit. The fruits of the spirit, love, peace, patience, yeah. kindness, mm-hmm. gentleness, those represent our maturity in Christ. Like mm-hmm. those are things that grows in us, right? Yeah. My my patience grows as I get closer to God. Yeah. And sometimes my patience wanes, but <laughs> yeah. you know, that's part of the yeah. work too, right? And so, you know, the fruits of the spirit are found in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. And and just knowing that those are different than spiritual gifts because they show my maturity. Mm. But spiritual gifts, they show my ministry. They show what I'm to do for God, right? Sure. They kind of are in I guess instructive or informative of like how might God want to use me? Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. A third one is don't confuse gifts with Christian roles. You know, probably the simplest one to think of is the gift of pastoring or shepherding. Yeah. I think frequently in our you know, in our church world most people feel like, well, if they're a pastor, they must have the gift of pastoring or shepherding. Mm. And that's simply not true. (laughs) Or if you have the gift of pastoring, you should be a pastor. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there are multiple people that I can think of in our church congregation that have the gift of shepherding and pastoring. Mm -hmm. Some of them are life group leaders. Some of them are prayer ministers, Mm -hmm. you know, and they they look like, and some of them are just regular people who come alongside people and love on them well and help them get through a struggle, right? They help carry one another's burdens. But we'll sometimes we'll confuse, like, because somebody has this role, we might expect a pastor to be an evangelist, or we might expect them to be a leader, we might expect them to be a shepherd. Well, that is true of some pastors, not all pastors. And generally, they don't have all three of those gifts, right? They're probably <laughs> yeah. good at one or two of them. And so give them yeah, lots of grace. But forced into all of them. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So yeah. I think that's an important distinction as well, or caution. Number four would be beware of the gift projection tendency. Mm, Along those same lines, expecting something of someone. Yeah. And this actually plays out two ways, I think. One is, if you're really good at something, do you know your spiritual gifts, Eric? I took a quick assessment when you sent me these links. So I have administration, helps, pastor slash shepherd, exhortation, and hospitality. Okay, I well, don't know in that order or not. But. Okay, well, let me ad- affirm your administration gift. You did a wonderful job of getting together questions for me <laughs> okay. for this. I'm like, this guy is on top of this stuff. 
But uh, like projection would be because you're really good at details, because you're really good at planning, you expect others to be that way. Mm. And they might frustrate you or disappoint you when they're not. Mm. But truth is, they shouldn't be, right? They, they haven't been gifted yeah, like that. Yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah. That's helpful to know. Yeah. So we want to be cautious there. I think the other side to gift projection is, is you're taking a gifts assessments. Like you really want to be truthful to who you are. Uh, lots of times we might want a gift. And because mm. we want a gift or we think we should be this way, we'll answer questions a certain way. And you can skew results on these things. They're not infallible. Sure. Yeah. And so you just need to be cautious about that. Yeah. Another another caution would be don't feel my gift makes me superior mm-hmm. or inferior to others. And if you play that out, you know, depending on what you who you look up to and who you think is really cool and awesome, I could think, man, they've got this gift and they're just they're doing so much more for God than I could yeah. ever do. And that's simply not true, right? It comes right. back to that every part of the body is equally important. Right. We all are making our impact where only we can make it. You know, I'll just, I don't know how many of your listeners regularly are listening to Sunday morning services, but you can, you could listen to Troy or Paul preach and go, well, gosh, I could never do that. But I'll tell you what, you could come alongside somebody and speak love and truth into somebody else that they could never touch what you're able to do with that person because of how God's wired you and gifted you and because of the relationship you have with somebody. And so we want to be careful not to think of other gifts as superior. Yeah. We also don't want to think of other gifts as inferior, right? Right. It's like, oh, you drew the short stick on that one. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's just unhealthy. Like, they're all important. You right. know, some of them are very behind the scenes, though, right? Number six is realize that using my gifts without love is worthless. <laughs> and I think it's interesting when you look at there are spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and then it talks more about spiritual gifts like tongues and prophecy in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And right in the middle of those two chapters is that chapter on love, 1 yeah. Corinthians 13, that we hear at weddings so often, right? Love is patient, yeah. love is kind. And you know, any of these gifts without using them without love. I mean, God, God calls us to love. God is love, yeah. right? He lo- we love him because he first loved us. Yeah. So his gifts without that are not his gifts. You know, they wouldn't be of God if, yeah. if they're not encapsulated yeah. in love. Yeah, if we're trying to do something to earn somebody's favor or even earn God's favor, you know, he wants it to be, you know, I, I've heard you guys talk about, you know, what comes out when you're squeezed or yeah. squished or yeah. whatever. And it's like... Well, hopefully love does, you know, hopefully we're being filled up with so much of the love of Jesus and his ways, and we've received so much from him that that becomes more and more second nature every day yeah. that it, it wants to spill out of us. And, and, and it will spill out through these gifts, right? Yeah. These ways that God, the Holy Spirit has supernaturally wired you to make an impact in others' lives or for his kingdom. Yeah, yeah. This has been helpful and just so wonderful to, to talk with you about. I, I want to end with some just practical things. So you've been talking about these gifts. Are there particular assessments you'd recommend or like are there free resources out there that folks can start with to just to help people learn more about themselves? Yeah, absolutely. By the way, just so you know, whenever I talk about this with the classes that I lead, I remind people these are not tests. Their assessments. There are no right or wrong answers. Like Good. this is helping you discover how God has wired yeah. you. So that's one piece. It's, it's a really tool. Important. It's a single it's a tool. tool, right? Yeah. And you want to be as honest as you can so that you find out the truth about yourself. The other thing is that they're not infallible, right? They're giving you a list of possibilities. And, and yeah. once you take these tests, I would say, I, I just said tests. <laughs> once you take these assessments, I would say, you know, ask others who know you, you know, is this true of yeah. me? And, and see if they affirm that in you. Sometimes you'll be blown away, like, absolutely, that's yeah, true. And how does you. it ring true? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So you asked uh, what, you know, there's a, an assessment called giftstest.com. I think that's why I keep saying test. Tests. It's actually that's called giftstest.com. G I F T-S-T-E-S-T.com. And it's absolutely free. I think you have to put your 
you know, email address in there, but it gives you, it probably take you somewhere between 15 and 30 minutes and it'll give you your results right away. And the other cool thing is if you look at the website very closely, you can find definitions mm. for every spiritual gift and Bible passages that go along with them. So I would say when you do get your results, you know, look at what the Bible says about those. Look at yeah. the supporting and what they even mean. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Cool. You know, if you want to do a little bit more research on this, uh, first off, I would start with the Bible. And it might just help to remember the number 12. Romans chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and Ephesians 4, 1 through 12. (laughs) Uh, But you can find out more about the gifts and why God's given them and and what those look like there. But it's such so important to have a biblical foundation. Uh, As far as books, you know, the book that first turned me on to spiritual gifts or maybe even defined it is is an oldie but a goodie, The Purpose Driven Life, Mm. came out in 2003 or 2004. And about a fifth of that book is dedicated to your ministry and your call to ministry. And I still think it's very worthwhile. Uh, another a theology-based book, this is one I, I read in seminary, it was called Unfinished Business, Returning the Ministry of God to the People of God. And it was written by Greg Ogden, and I remember reading that. It was like it reframed my understanding of how God has wired me and gifted me for ministry and really was encouraging. But it's more of a theological read, so it's a little mm-hmm. deeper book. Mm-hmm. And one that would just almost be a playbook for you. If you're like, gosh, I want to take some assessments and figure this stuff out. It's called What You Do Best in the Body of Christ, and it's by Bruce Bugby. And it is a book that will have spiritual gifts assessment, but it also will help you timeline your life. That can be incredibly helpful uh, Mm. to look at your experiences and the things you've learned. Uh, Those things can help a, a great deal in figuring out what God is calling you to do. And so... Uh, those would be some recommendations. Well, Ken, it's been great to talk to you about this. And I just want to encourage you in your class that you you lead. And, I, you know, as we talked about the importance of this work, you know, I thank you for equipping people around you to to better know themselves and, and steward those gifts well. So thanks for being here. It's a joy to do it, a ton of fun. And it was great to be with you, Eric. Thanks. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard, please give us a rating. It would be very helpful. Also, we'll throw the links to those books and other resources that Ken mentioned into the show notes. And we will see you in a couple of weeks.